Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. All right, we're back. Yeah, guys, we're back. Um, the Unsuckable Podcast. Happy to be back. Excited to be back. I'm your host, Manuel Feet. And um, yeah, this is, should be this should be a quick one with some interesting topics, some exciting topics. We have uh, a, a bunch of things to discuss, including some little Italian guy going to Toronto. I think there's some more stuff that came out today. Um, so yeah, I'm, I'm really looking forward to this. And I think I, I know one of the guys... Is probably already secured to season tickets for TFC, and that's Joshua Deming. Josh, how's it going? I'm doing pretty good, Manuel. Hope you're doing good as well. Excited to be back with you guys, and and yeah, not not quite season tickets because it's still it's still a journey. If you live anywhere near the GTA, you'll you'll get what I mean. But I'll definitely be going to quite a few games. Big fan of Insigne, and, and I'm excited to see someone of his pedigree kind of in the basically not my backyard, but at least in my hometown. Uh, type of stadium so i'm pretty excited to see him and uh and yeah i, I guess i'm cu- gonna get curious on your guys' thoughts on as well yeah i think we have, yeah, that's gonna be an interesting topic that we have later down the show um i think that that's something that we can all discuss but yeah let's let's bring in the other guys adrian um adrian Souza as always how's it going man how is curfew in quebec treating you curfew's great i'm uh i go to bed at 8 p.m every single night so it's fine by me 10 p.m is no no i don't actually go to bed that early but i haven't even noticed the effects of curfew because i'm not out past 10 p.m ever really i mean there's no bars or restaurants open anyway so i'm not sure what the curfew's doing but this is not curfew talk this is football talk and i'm looking forward to speaking about yet another little italian that's going to be Hopefully not destroying Montreal's back line. Not that I'm a huge Montreal supporter, but like Josh, I do like going to the matches because seeing live football at a decent level is something somewhat of a rarity across Canada. So yeah, it's uh, it's going to be interesting talking about that one again. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, curfews and shutdowns. I, I saw the tweet that you sent in earlier, minus 25 degrees. I think you're better off staying inside anyways, Adrian. And yeah. <laughs> but someone who doesn't know anything about minus 25 degree is Filippo because he's usually in Florida. You're in Texas right now, though. Um, how's it going, man? Uh, actually, Manuel, I do know a lot about that temperature. I lived in Buffalo for four years. <laughs> so, I'm in, yeah, I'm in San Antonio. And uh, despite knowing about that temperature, I most certainly am more used to the warm weather from Rio de Janeiro, Miami, Orlando, even Texas. Kind of warm, even though it's chilly here now. I do want to say one thing before we start, though. There's, there's been many rumors saying that me and Insini, I hope I said his name right, are related. 
I can confirm we are not related. We're not brothers. Um, and my bank account is most certainly nowhere near here, his at this point. But overall, I'm doing great. Looking forward to this episode. And Manuel, one thing we need to remind our listeners today, they should leave a review at the podcast. It really yeah. helps the podcast. So they should do that right now as I've ordered. Oh, that'd be nice. Please review. Um, it helps us. It helps us grow this, grow the show and all that. And I think that's pretty important. But um, Filippo, we started the show. We renamed the show Unsuckable Podcast because at the time, Ole Gunnar was unsuckable or appeared unsuckable at Manchester United. And when he finally did get sacked, we had a moment of crisis, thought we had to rename our show and all that. And um, thankfully, we didn't have to do that. And But we also thought we were going to be able to move on from Manchester United. But there is drama. I mean, this club, I, I jokingly said the other day on Twitter, they're like the Schalke of, of the Premier League. Uh, this huge dysfunctional organization at this point. And I, I personally feel sorry for Ralph Rangnick for the things that he has to endure or the things that he counters there. But I think there's there is just so much um, when you read the stuff that's coming out of the dressing room at the moment with the assistant staff. And I mean, you in particular have your experience with Chris Armas, one of the assistants there. What's going on? When will this drama ever end? I don't, I don't know. I don't know. It's what you said. We thought, first of all, we didn't change the name because we found out Oli was not the unsackable one. It was actually Greg Berhalter. That's what we found out. But in, in terms of Manchester United, it, it seemed like with the arrival of Ralph Ragnick, things would start to change, right? We made that joke saying that it, it almost looks like a telenovela, which is a soap opera at Mexico. Uh, always drama, always something going on. And we thought that was going to end. But clearly it hasn't, right? There's rumors that the players are not happy with Ragnick and his coaching staff. I can understand that from some perspective. Chris Armas, we've known him from Toronto and even New York Red Bull days, but most recently Toronto and all the issues there. I don't know when it's going to end, Manuel. Uh, it seems like Manchester United's issues are much deeper than just who's the manager, right? It almost seems like it doesn't really even matter at this point who you put to manage. We don't know what we're going to get out of it. I don't know if you have any more information on it, Adrian, Josh, if they've been following with it, but I don't know. It seems like a never-ending story, and I guess we're going to have to keep mentioning Manchester United. It's amazing how, despite not winning anything recently, Manchester United just always finds a way to stay relevant. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, four points out of a Champions League spot at the moment, uh, seventh with 31 points. That said, a game in hand to Arsenal, um, also a game in hand to, to West Ham. Um, Spurs were also right in, in front of them, have two points more than they do, but one game less. Uh, COVID-19 has uh, made the Premier League schedule very difficult. Uh, I, I think we can all agree at the very top, it's over. Ten points between City and Chelsea. I don't think um, anything is going going to change there. But yeah, it's bringing the other guys. I mean, Adrian, when when you follow the whole Manchester United saga, it it just seems like we did a great video on Ralf Rangnick and the things that he could do to change the club and the culture of the club. But you get to the point now where you think, okay, Rangnick comes in and he must be just looking at this and say, this is a project that's going to take years. 
Yes, I, I think that it will take years. I think that that's necessary when you have, you know, a club like Manchester United that has a lot of players that are reaching back a few coaches now. And you have these issues under Mourinho. Well, I mean, there's issues under Mourinho wherever he goes at this point, it sort of seems like. But you had players sort of that weren't really backing him. And prior to that under Van Hal, they weren't backing him. And now it seems like when Ragnick shows up and he starts to get a more rigid structure, um, they're not really reacting to it as well as they should be. And I think that this is something that is sort of sweeping across the continent, really, in, in some teams where this player power, this notion of player power is starting to become an issue. I can speak to Benfica having that issue for sure for the last three managers now that have been sacked. You had that at Chelsea. You know, they turned on Mourinho, then they turned on Conte. You had that issue there. And now I'm wondering if you're going to start getting that at Manchester United, if we still hear this sort of division that's in the training room of these players that are unhappy with what's going on with the manager then maybe that's another thing, another club that is going to suffer from the players sort of running the roost, the inmates running the prison, so to speak. I don't know. I think that that's something that will sort of develop over this next half a season. Um, but it's it certainly surprised me because I thought that this is what they wanted. You know, you heard rumors about it being too lax under Oli, and then you get Rangnick in there, and now it's too strenuous or it's too serious under Rangnick. So, like, what what exactly do these guys want? It sounds like it's just like a, a club to go hang out and play a little five-a-side during the week. You know, it's funny, Adrian. I actually made a joke a while. I can't remember what game it was that I was watching. And I said, Manchester United under Ole looked very poor and dysfunctional, right? Now, under Ralph Ragnick, it looks like we're still under Ole. <laughs> so that, that pretty much summarizes Manchester United right now. So I don't think manager would change. But Manuel, I'll let you take it from here and lead us to the next topic because... <laughs> I think everyone's tired of hearing of the United drama, the Manchester United drama at this point. Yeah, I happily move on. Um, I want to move on to Kingsley Coman and his new contract at Bayern Munich. Um, a reported 17 million euro deal until 2016. So 17 million a season. Um, some sources have it at 15 million. I was, I tweeted out yesterday that... Um, 17 million felt like a lot. Um, I accidentally actually first treated out after tax. Um, it was actually before tax. So it comes in at around 8.8 million a year after tax. Um, and I tweeted out, I felt that was a lot. And then I was reminded by people in Munich um, that that's actually not that much. And they gave me a really good reason for it because first of all, um, it was what they offered to David Alaba, right? Um, he rejected that deal. Um, but also, and this is, this is, I think, a really interesting discussion that we can all have. Um, when you look at what Usman Dembele, or Dembele um, at Barcelona is currently asking, he's asking for 43 million euros a year, plus 7 million in bonuses, right, to renew his contract at Barca. And um I think they both have the injury issues. And Josh, you know Dembele quite well from the time at Borussia Dortmund. Um, but it makes you realize that if you don't sign the players that you have at the moment in your squad, then it's really difficult to replace them with someone else because of the way the market is at the moment, right? So like, it's actually cheaper to sign someone to a really big deal who's already at your club, who's willing to stay, than to lose them and then replace them, which is very very expensive at the moment but yeah i mean that, that when i saw those dembele figure, figures josh you you must have seen them and i just said dear god 
Yeah. Um, when it comes to Dembele, because I think he's such a talented kid. And honestly, thinking back to when he joined Dortmund, I thought he was incredible. He played one season there, and he was he was a game changer. You could just tell at the young age, uh, you didn't know what foot he was. He was just exactly what that team needed and was arguably most a lot of the games the most important player along with Aubameyang. And then he obviously you saw a different side of him from his personality to to basically cry and fight his way out of the club to get that dream move of his to, to Barca, which is, in my opinion, really gone up in flames because he is such a talented player. And I don't think there's any denying that, but the, the injuries that this kid's gone through, it, it completely ruined what his potential could have been. And the fact that he's looking for that type of money is ridiculous. And and, Bar- and Bayern were linked to him a little bit. So it almost kind of seemed like if they weren't going to get the Coleman deal done, then Dembele could have been an option. And if I'm a, if I'm a Bayern fan, I'm would definitely take, Coleman, because you know what he's he's done for you guys. He's proven in the in the Bundesliga, not that Dembele isn't. And I think his injuries are probably a little less severe than what Dembele could, because that's just too much money to invest with an uncertain player who could easily go down within the first couple minutes of a game. Yeah, it's 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 insane to look at that amount of money, and um, you know he's been linked to all sorts of teams as a result: uh, Manchester United, Newcastle. Now that they're rich, apparently, um, even though they're probably going to go down to the championship, but you know, there's it's really interesting to to see those sort of figures thrown around for for players of that category at the moment. And I mean, yeah, he's played 128 games um, for Barcelona, scored scored 31 goals, 23 assists. That's across all competitions. But you know, I look at Osman Dembele. And I think the same as you, Josh. This is this is a guy who, when he was at Dortmund, so creative, so good on the ball, um, refreshing. And his style of play when he went to Barcelona, it got almost ruined. It was it was loaded with the expectations of having to replace Neymar, right? And I mean, that is so that was so difficult to do at the time. And he's such a different player as well. And um, it just didn't click with 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 Lionel Messi at all. And I don't know. I mean, maybe you guys, Adrian, Filippo, feel free to jump in. Yeah, Adrian, I mean, like, when you look at this this whole career, Dembele at Barcelona and the money, Bayern Munich are probably smart to say, let's get keep the guy that we have. For sure. Because Usman Dembele, as you guys have highlighted, the amount of time that he spends with the with the medical staff alone is just, you're going to be spending $43 million right there just to cover all of the medical bills, basically. But but honestly, he, he really was a special player. And he showed that in flashes at Barcelona. But I just don't know where and what club is going to be willing to pay that kind of money for someone who you cannot really trust to stay fit. And the reason why I say you can't trust it is because there's been so many reports of sort of professional issues, if you will, with Dembele, not taking care of himself properly, not having the right people around him. I think that they've started to work on that a little bit, maybe under Xavi and getting him to maybe take his career a little more seriously from nutrition to whatever, all of the extra work that a professional has to do in order to maintain their body. I think that Robert Lewandowski and obviously Cristiano Ronaldo are prime examples of what it takes, what you put in and what you get out on the other side. And we haven't seen that with Dembele. And it's a shame because he has been so special to watch right foot left foot cutting inside he has the speed he's rapid you know it's it's too bad and I just it almost feels like it feels like asking for that amount of money they're doing it with the purpose of the club saying no that's what it sort of feels like um, as they sort of angle for a way to make a move elsewhere but I don't know it's it it's too bad because you want to see these young players thriving 
but it just hasn't happened for him. And I think that the best thing for both parties was, would be for him to leave Barcelona at this point. Yeah, it's, it's insane. Of course, Barcelona had to sign uh, Umtiti to a new structured deal because that was the only way they could afford to regi- register Ferran Torres, which is just nuts. They signed Umtiti to a contract renewal to 2026 so that he would be on the same amount of money, but for a longer period. Um, the, the insanity at Barcelona just continues. But I think Bayern Munich, I, I, at first when I saw it, I, you see the figure, you see 17 million euros and you're just like, wow, that's a lot of money. And then you realize that actually in the context of what's going on in the market in general, it is not. And yeah, I mean, you look at Usman Dembele's career and um, he has a market value of $33 million at the moment. He had a, His highest market value was $132 million which is sort of the, the fee that reflected that Barcelona paid for him at the time, right? I mean, with all the bonuses included, it was $154 million that that Barcelona paid to Borussia Dortmund. Um, and his market value has just dropped ever since, incredibly dropped ever since. And he's only 24. So I, I think there's still a, a player there that is could be useful for someone out there. Um, I just... You know, don't know if it's actually going to happen um, at Barcelona or maybe he needs like a fresh start. He needs to sort of like what Robin did when he went to Bayern and they reinvented him, right? And I mean, like, yeah, Filippo, go ahead. I'll be very brief. I think for Barcelona, a lot of players there are very talented and they need fresh air elsewhere. It just seems like it hasn't worked out for many, right? Uh, Coutinho, which was a very good player in the Premier Well, he was a fantastic player in the Premier League, just completely disappeared ever since he got to Barcelona. Uh, Griezmann, that actually stayed in La Liga, right, from Atletico to Barcelona, then back to Atletico, also kind of ruined or somewhat declined on at Barcelona. Uh, Dembele, there's many players that we can go on about. So it, it seems like he's not alone. It's a similar situation for many guys in that club right now. It just shows, comes to show what Barcelona currently is. Yeah, I think... T- I think that's a good summary of things. Um, will be interesting to see. I'm pretty sure some sporting director somewhere in the world will be Googling French World Cup winners and uh, see who's on a free contract and find Usman Dembele and offer him a bucket load of money. I doubt that club will be Toronto FC, though. Um, <laughs> they gave us a huge assist today, my, my, my employee. Uh, transfer market, of course, because <laughs> Bill Manning's statements that uh, he found he, he he was looking for an Italian. He wanted to see who was without a contract and uh, Lorenzo Insigne showed up. And I mean, he signed a great contract as well. It's uh, $11.5 million um, before tax, not after tax, as some have reported, um, with plus $7 million in bonuses. So a really nice deal. Hockey fans, DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL, has a no-brainer offer that'll make you a winner once any shot gets past the goalie. New customers can bet just $1 on any NHL game and win $100 in free bets if either team scores. The NHL got rid of ties in 2005, so you know someone is going to light the lamp. If Sportsbook isn't available in your state yet, no worries. Everyone can play for huge cash prizes all season long with DraftKings Daily Fantasy Hockey Contest. DraftKings is giving all new customers a free shot at millions of dollars in total prizes with their first deposit. 
Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now. Use promo code TPPN. Throw down $1 on any NHL game and win 100 in free bets if either team scores a goal. That's promo code TPPN this week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NHL. Must be 21 or older. New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Minimum $5 deposit and $1 wager required. One per customer. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Josh, I know you are really excited about this transfer. I think anyone who, who watches any football uh, in North America is probably very excited about this transfer because it is a big deal. Lorenzo Insigne coming to MLS is a big deal because he's still a very good player. He's only 30. Um, he's coming, you know, at a time where he will probably still play for Italy, even though he's here. And um, I think there is some shade though thrown at this deal. There is some people who just don't like the fact that MLS is now becoming a serious league that's after those guys. So, yeah, it's an interesting debate on Twitter at the moment, right? Yeah, there is. And it's, it's the reason I, I suggested this topic for us is because, I mean, I'm a big fan of Insigne. I mean, he, he's he's from he's in, he's in, from Naples. He's been on that club pretty much his, his entire career. He's the captain. He's he's a leader. He had an incredible campaign last season, which led him into big success at the Euros. So he, you can make an argument that, I mean, I know he's 30, but he's in relatively the prime of his career. And, and obviously, his contract coming down, there was a situation of whether he'd resign or not. And Toronto capitalized and gave him a very lucrative deal. And this is where the kind of the debate came in and a couple of topics I saw going around on, on Twitter that I thought was interesting. Cause when the CPL blew headlines, it really had my attention. Cause I was just someone who was so flabbergasted at the fact that these incredible players kind of sold out when they did. And I look at Oscar as, as a perfect example, um, leaving in the prime, absolute prime of his career, mid twenties to go and make bank. And then, a couple of people were kind of throwing a little shade on this deal, saying that this almost looks uh, Chinese Super League like, and and I I strongly disagree with that. Um, I'm curious to get your guys' take as well, but I mean, I disagree on it for for a couple of reasons. I mean, the MLS has developed and and it's it's went through its growing pains and it's starting to become a a very relatively strong league, and it can come out and do these type of transfers. They've earned that. Where the difference, uh, and there's a lot of differences, but. One of the differences with the CPL when it opened up is that they aren't a very traditional league. They're brand new and they just are backed by so much money that they were going out left, right, and center signing anyone who was willing to give up their their careers. Yannick Carrasco, as long as you guys remember, made that trip over there as well and he instantly regretted it and got, was able to go back to Athleti. And they basically bankrupt the league. And that's why a lot of these players have already left and are pretty much closing out. Um, Evergrande, one of the better teams in the league, I don't think even have a player that isn't Chinese on the team right now. So that's just kind of, it was just, yeah, it was, it was a nightmare there. So Mano, I'm really curious to get your take on it. Yeah, I think the comparison is odd. Um, first and foremost, because you can't really compare North America with China. Um, I think that the living standard in North America is, is just so much higher, uh, so much more desirable as well, right? Um, living in a place like Toronto or, you know, Vancouver or Montreal or, you know, Miami, uh, LA, Chicago, New York, um, if you can, like the list can go on and on and on. It's just way better than living in Shanghai and Beijing. Uh, it's a fact. And uh, so I don't think from first and foremost, that's comparable. 
I've heard stories of some players going to the, the Chinese Super League and never leaving their apartment, right? Because it just wasn't something that they felt safe to do. And I think, you know, this is just not in that sense comparable. And it was a bubble from the very beginning. You could sense that it was going to go wrong because the, the, the money, the amount of money that was poured into this league was just not sustainable. And we're talking about, like, we're literally talking, in this case, we're talking about like 11 million before tax um, contracts. And I mean, they, they, they went after every South American they could find, right, Filippo? And I mean, that was like some of the deals that were signed were insane. I mean, remember Tevis went down. Tevis, I can't remember the exact structure of it, but the amount of money he was on was just, was just crazy. Yeah, I, I also think adding to everything I agree with you, I, I haven't personally gone to China, but based on the data we have, it's definitely better to live here than there. But not just that, too, the cultural shock as well, right? It's much easier for an European or a South American to adjust to food here in North America. Food, cultural ties, language, right? You come here, um, many more people speak English rather than Mandarin, right? Uh, a lot of people see Spanish here in the United States. The cultural shock is also a lot smaller. So there's that. Also, the Chinese Super League, not going into details because that would be so much. A lot of the clubs were also involved in illegal activities as well. That's something we don't see in MLS. Well, as far as we know, we don't see it in MLS as well, right? I, I, as far as we know. But I, I don't think it's a similar situation. It's also one player. Uh, the Chinese Super League was overpaying for, it was, it was definitely more than one player, right? You just named a few to say the least, and they still were. And it drove the league bankrupt. I think MLS also has more tight regulations that hold on to that. Now, we could go back and talk about the Insigne transfer and what I personally think about it for MLS, but I'll leave it for you guys to finish up on the, the China MLS talk. And then when we go back to the transfer, I have some thoughts to share on it, on the good and the bad. I don't think it's all good, hmm. uh, so I'll, I'll talk about that too. Yeah, I think that's fair. Um, I think my final thought maybe is also that I think the entire financial, um, the financially it's very differently structured. Um, we can talk about the goods and bads about MLS, sure, and some of the, the, the money that's been poured in, but the growth has been far more careful. Um, I think in their media release, Bill Manning, other than saying that he mentioned Transfermarkt and that's how he found him, uh, which I think is actually hilarious, but also very common, he also said that MLS went from 1.0, which was the original league, to 2.0, which is an expansion, and David Beckham, right, to 3.0, um, with the influx, of, with the, the salary cap being increased and the influx of investors and uh, more transfer spending, to now being MLS 4.0. And we're talking about a 26, 20, they're going into the 27th season now, right? This is not the young league that it used to be. And so... You know, a lot of a lot of it was all slow growth. They're getting to the point now where they can sign players in their prime from Europe for similarly structured deals than you would find in Europe, and that's because the league is growing, um, and that's not comparable to China, a league that came out of nowhere was previously very heavily impacted by betting scandals, and then just went and like basically try to put a house on something that had no foundation. That's not what's happening here. Now, of course, we can discuss the Insigne deal and what it does to the league, whether it's good or bad. I think there's a lot of positives. There is, of course, always a lot of negatives. Maybe the money can be spent or shuffled around a little bit different. 
I mean, maybe we'll go back to you there, Filippo, and, and mm -hmm. see what you think. So, for starters, right away, I want to make it clear that the signing is positive for the league, right? Because if I go on talking about the negative, people are going to think I'm saying it's bad for the league. In no way, shape, or form, signing a player with his quality, and yes, he is in his prime. He just won the Euros with Italy, still a very effective player, and I'm... I'm also going to make the assumption that he's going to come into MLS and be absolutely fantastic. But there are many negatives to talk about. One of them you kind of mentioned already. Uh, the money could be distributed maybe a little bit smarter, right? Insigne alone is not worth that much from a soccer standpoint. And the question I ask as well is it does increase internationally some respect for MLS because they can't really call it a retirement league when we're signing a player at their prime, right? That could play for many top European clubs and be effective. But at the same time, will this drive more interest towards the league? I personally don't think it'll drive more interest towards the league. Maybe it'll get Toronto FC fans more hyped and pumped for the season and Toronto might build a very strong team and win MLS or whatever. But I don't see it bringing new fans and, and MLS is still in a growing phase. Along with that, uh, what I would personally love to see is Toronto signs him in his prime in Sini, and then maybe seeing some other clubs signing other players in their prime as well, right? So we start getting some matchups that will drive interest. But him alone, him alone going to Toronto, I don't think it changes much for the league over the long term. That's just my thoughts on it. I don't think it, it has a major impact for the long term. Does it have any negative impacts for the long term? I think there's no negative impact. It's only positive. I just don't think there's a big positive in terms of what people are hyping it. But again, good signing. I'm happy that MLS is getting to that stage where they can sign a player like Insigne instead of signing a 37-year-old former world-class player. But Josh, you're a Toronto fan, probably have a similar or different perspective on it. Yeah, I mean, you make some interesting points. And I I mean, you, you make points where the long-term, we don't really know. I'm very curious to see if this transfer will have a snowball effect and not really from, from, well, actually really, I guess from the minds of everyone, I, I want to see if it gives clubs the, the ambition of going out being like, okay, like Toronto just brought in Insigne. They, they structured a deal to be able to bring in a player of this pedigree. We can do that too. And then other players around the world have to look at this Insigne, Euro, just won the Euros, main captain at his hometown club. He get, gave that up to go to North America. I think, I'm not saying it's going to be a major, major like shift, but I'm thinking it has to turn some heads. Some players have to be out there being like, okay, like maybe I'm I'm missing something. Maybe I'm overlooking the MLS. I'm curious to see what deals are on the table. Maybe the agents meet up and, and talk with some of the clubs in the MLS. I, I think there will be a, a bit of a snowball effect. I'm just cu curious to see what the magnitude of that snowball effect could potentially look like. Yeah, I think it's it's definitely, when you take a step back from everything and you look at the overall trajectory of the league over the last 27 years this is definitely sort of a capstone moment bringing in a player uh, in his prime like this like and, and I think it will actually bring in more fans the reason being is because I saw how that happened in Montreal it was a it was a growing market they bring in guys like Marco Tavaio they bring in Alessandro Nesta you'll remember and you get a lot more Italians coming out to the games a lot more Italians not all of them are going to stick around of course but you'll at least get a few that will sort of get stuck on the club and will begin coming to the games even though those players have moved on. We saw that happen again with Montreal when they signed Didier Drogba. All of a sudden you had a lot of the African sort of population within Montreal, not just people from the Ivory Coast, but from the entire continent of Africa coming to games, 
to wearing their Cameroon, Senegal, Cote d'Ivoire, what have you, shirts, supporting the impact, and some of them still stayed to this day. So I think that that absolutely will happen with Insigne as well. And yeah, to bring in a guy who just won the Euros, the trajectory, like I said, is just going up and up and up. And I think that that's also what sort of differentiates this from signing with the team in, in China once again. Yeah, it, it could lead to that. Um, I don't disagree. And we saw that effect with Kaká at Orlando City, right? Building a very Brazilian-like culture. My question is, so based on what Manuel said, correct me if I'm wrong, $14 million net per season. The question is, is that investment worth from a, a standpoint of growing the league? Growing the league, no. But but at the end of the day, we also want the MLS clubs to have ambition. And Toronto is, to a very least, showing ambition with this move, right? They're showing that they, they have something to fight for in this league. They want to win the league, right? Unlike many other franchises that we can go into, like the Houston Dynamo, even FC Dallas. They do a great job investing in their academy, but they show absolutely no ambition, at least as of late, in terms of winning MLS, which is which should be the main goal of any team, right? Even though we have a closed system here, when you look into NFL, NBA, the ultimate goal is to win the league. Some clubs in MLS don't seem to give a crap. Toronto's showing that. I just don't know if, from a worth-it standpoint, a cost-benefit standpoint, uh, if it's worth it in terms of that for the growth of the league. And I, I wish, what I wish was that Toronto made this signing And then other clubs joined on, joined in and signed other players in their prime, maybe not at the same level as Insigne, but at a high level, right? Players that could still perform in Europe in top leagues at mm-hmm. during their prime, right? Not when they're 37 or 38. I, I mean, I have to say though, when you when you look at, for example, Atlanta United who brought in uh, Araujo. I hope I said that right, Filippo. Please correct me if I'm wrong. Um, Araujo. Araujo. Thank you. Um, and then, of course, now they're going to bring in Thiago Almada once they have, once he sorts out his uh, problems back in Argentina. And, of course, they have to offload um, one of the DP signings. Um, on top of that, I think when you look in the rumor mill and the players that have been linked to MLS, They're pretty much the only league investing significant money at the moment in the transfer market. A lot of European teams are struggling. Um, you know, you look at Germany, for example, it's very quiet because they're playing behind closed doors. And um, although 80% of the revenue is generated by television, um, Dortmund, for example, lose off the top of my head, I think it's about 3.2 million euros per home game that they play behind closed doors in revenue. It's a lot of money, right? So MLS doesn't have that issue and the new television contract is going to be significantly higher than what the previous deal was. It's coming in at around uh, 300 to $400 million dollars a year, which is not big in, in terms of what uh, the big three leagues in Europe get, Spain, Germany, and um, top four, I guess, Spain, Germany, Italy, and um, Britain, England. Um, but it's, it's a lot more than, it's five to six times more than what they had previously. So that those things make a difference. And so, so I think you will see clubs being aggressive this winter. And it's not even, I mean, we're only about 11 days into the transfer window. And I, every day I have to write done deal texts for Transfermarkt for three or four done deal texts for Transfermarkt, right? 
And I think we will see quite a lot of ambitious moves from even just from the names that have been hinted at. So I think this is the tip of the iceberg. And um, I think my final point before I had to give this over to Joshua, who I think wants to say something as well, is um, I agree a little bit with Philip was saying that it is it is a big deal. It's not a David Beckham size of deal because Insigne's name, although he's a big, great player, he doesn't have the same kind of um, global impact. He has, I think he has a smaller global impact than Ibrahimovic as well. But um, you have to remember how sizable the Italian population is as in places like Toronto or even Montreal, right? And I think for on a local level, it's massive for them, massive, because it will drive revenue for, for MLSE, the, the, the parent company that owns Toronto FC and the Toronto Maple Leafs and um, the Raptors as well. And I mean, if Insigne was on the Maple Leafs, the hockey team, the, the shrine of all sports in Canada, right? Um, the holiest of all sports in Canada, he would be the highest paid player on this team. And I, I think I think from a macro standpoint, when you just look at that market in particular, which is what was most concerning for Toronto, and Toronto is the fourth largest television market in North America. I think that's what they're sort of looking at. But I think, Josh, you had another point as well. Yeah, I mean, you guys both made really good points. I guess I'll just quickly toss my my two cents in. Is, is One, to go back to what Fluvio was saying, I personally think that signing Insigne is better for the league than it is for making Toronto stronger. So, I mean, for example, if you wanted to put all that money and spread it out between the, the back end, um, some CDMs to kind of fill those pieces together, you probably could build a better team with a lot of different pieces than just going on Insigne. So for me, it, it helps the league in general because it, you bring in a name like that, which, like I said, then could get other players from around the world, even when they're approaching their 30s, being like, okay, well, if Insigne just got that over in in North America and there's it, a lot of beautiful places that live in North America, like you guys talked about, maybe I can too. Maybe I can get a, a lucrative deal in my 30s. I'm ready to go. And then on top of that, to look at the local level, like you were just talking about, it's probably good for Toronto because instead of investing in a bunch of places to maybe make their team a little bit better, they invested in that one, but it's going to get the attention of their fan base and seeing how we... we we saw the, the Canadian soccer market really spike and Toronto was a big part of that because of the, the number of people who live there. If you're able to feed the the interest, which is, I mean, you saw what Sebastian Trevenko did. You brought in a very similar player who's, in my opinion, just a, a little bit better. Uh, there's a chance that you get that, that interest back in and, and to really thrive on that market. So there's a lot of different layers to it, but uh, I think it's better for the league than it is for just simply making Toronto a much better team than if they would have put all that money towards other positions. No, I, I totally agree with all that. I just think that that money doesn't necessarily have to be all spent in just reinforcing the team, right? I think one of the ways to drive interest locally is by playing local players, by getting involved with your local communities and having a strong academy where kids want to play. And when you get those kids in and then you have the, the people in schools that played with the kid that made it to the professional team and then you sold that kid to Europe, it becomes another revenue stream for the club, which if you have ambitions and planning around it, you can build upon that. We just saw FC Dallas, for example, sell Ricardo Pepe for, what was it, $18 million, $16 million, whatever it was. Uh, you can make money off it. And the league is at a stage that it does need, what, what MLS needs the most right now is growth and increased revenue, which both go together, right? As growth happens, revenue grows with it. Manuel said, talked about the new TV deal. 
My only concern is there's being a lot of resources being spent on one player, which I'm totally fine with the level that he's coming here to the league. It's not a 35-year-old washed-up player. It's a player in his prime. I just think it can be spent better. I wish MLS took a little bit of the academies a little bit more seriously because I think they've done a terrible job overall. Most MLS franchises have done a completely terrible job in terms of academy. And I think that's how you build growth, right? You go to Brazil and a lot of the people are very attached to their local club. Uh, friends that play for the academies. Friends that became professional, right? So... I think it can be betterly invested for a U.S. soccer and a Canadian soccer perspective, right? Because I, I kind of feel like Canada and the U.S. kind of walk together, right? They hold hands and try to grow soccer in the country together. But again, just to make it clear so no one thinks I'm hating on the transfer, I still think it's a fantastic transfer. And, and I'm just going to put one final two cents in because you brought up something that is that is interesting. And and maybe another reason, just looking at the home goal market, I'm not going to touch on every every team in the MLS because I, I don't know those stats, but I, I do know Toronto's and they have eight homegrown players on their roster. So instead of blossoming and bringing in players from the a bunch of different places and try to bl- blossom this team, they bring in one really exciting player like Insigne and now they have players like like Singh and Noble Akello. And I mean, if, if Marshall Rudy resigns, he, he's there. Jay Nelson is still there. There's a ton of talented young homegrown players on this TFC team. So if they're investing in this one position, a lot of them are still going to be big, big, have prominent roles for this team. I just thought that was an interesting fact. I'm not saying that that goes for every MLS team. I'm not getting rid of that point at all. I just no, yeah, that was, yeah. That was Absolutely. Interesting. But don't forget one thing. Uh, more money can be injected into the academies. You go to academies in Europe. Uh, I forgot who, I think Greg Berhalter mentioned this, and I've heard this from so many different players, and Manuel might even agree. Some academies in Europe are almost like labs, and their scouting system is huge. And the infrastructure, that's something MLS doesn't really have overall for most of, well, let's be honest, probably none of the teams have it right now. So that's money that has to flow. Plus, as fantastic as it will be for Insigne, he will be taking minutes from young players that could be playing. Even though that I don't really have a problem with because you do need these high-level players. And I'm sure a lot of the young guys will actually learn from him. So that is another positive. I just think it's more about investing in the youth academy. There's more to it, right? There's to hiring better coaches, right? Uh, we had Eric Schreinaldo at the channel and he talked about that, how we don't really have a talent problem in North America. We have a coaching problem. You can invest on coachings going to Europe and learning more, right? You can invest on the infrastructure, better scouts, everything, better nutrition. And that's just money. So when you put your resources all in one basket, you kind of leave out some others. And I'm not saying Toronto is doing that because I'm not going to lie. You guys can definitely talk about Toronto better than me. I don't know how they invest their money. Uh, I know it is a successful MLS franchise in recent years, despite last season, right, which was a little bit out of the curve. But I'll, I'll hand it to you guys there. I've been talking a lot. <laughs> no, I actually, I, I've been really enjoying this discussion. I think it's, and you make some very good points. I think um, Toronto in particular, they're sitting on probably one of the biggest talent pools in the world at the moment, right? When you look at Greater Ontario, the GTA area and, and the, some of the socioeconomic problems that often also mean that you are, um, that also seem to often produce football talent. Um, you know, we have this phenomenon right now. There's a bunch of guys coming from Markham, Ontario, for example, right? 
So I, I, I see what you mean. I think um, those things can go hand in hand. I think you can bring in big name players and develop your academy. And Toronto FC is, isn't a club, even though they have a lot of academy players on their squad at the moment, actively on the squad, who couldn't do better developing the talent, right? Um, maybe doing the jack there as well. I think when you look at teams like Philadelphia Union or Dallas, who have done quite a great job at developing talent and um, at one point, we'll have to get Lutz Pfannenstiel on to, to discuss what he's doing at uh, St. Louis and their ambition to start their first ever seasons with actually homegrown players in the squad. And um, I think there's a lot of that happening. Um, so I, I think it, it goes kind of hand in hand. I think you need to bring in these big name players. Um, because that's what every other European league does, but you also need to develop your own. And once you get, once you find a perfect mix of developing your own players, and I think they're getting there as a league overall, um, and adding players in their prime, that's when you become successful. And that's when you can close the gap to those top four leagues in Europe, because that's ultimately where you want to be as MLS, right? You want to be just behind there. Um, and I think. It's getting there. I think people don't give it enough credit in that regard. But we've been talking about investment um, really briefly on this one. We had a couple of things happening in the Canadian Premier League that I think we should chat about and uh, maybe uh, also bring Adrian back into this chat because we've talked about this uh, Toronto story quite a bit. First of all, there's the Lucas McNaughton rumor about going to Toronto FC. So there's a Canadian player who could go. Um who could go to TFC, right? And I, I reported that for Transfermarkt that Toronto FC are interested. There's apparently also links to some other MLS teams. Uh, LAFC has been floated around. So we'll see if that happens. I think personally, I would, I would find it great to see uh, a Canadian Premier League player go to Toronto. I think it would be a very good signal and would help that league and to help move players on and, you know, add another facet of talent development in this country, not necessarily in the US, but in this country. Um, but... <laughs> Adrian and Josh, um, we're the root Canadians, so sorry, Filippo. Um, the Clanagan announcement on Sunday, oh, sorry, on Monday, that he is stepping down. He was the first league commissioner of the CPL. He's stepping down and he was given the exclusive rights to a team in Windsor, Essex County. Uh, you guys do counties in Ontario, apparently. That's a thing. We don't have that out west. Um, first of all, the announcement itself, Adrian, what did you make of it? Uh, it was, <laughs> and I, I hate to say this about the CPL because we all want the league to do well and we all want the best for the league. And, you know, if the league does well, it's overall better for football in Canada in general. But it was, again, they, they sort of fumbled a little bit. There was, you know, a video that went public on one soccer's YouTube channel saying that he was stepping down and then it went private right away because it hadn't actually been announced yet. And then they included that not only was he stepping down, but he was stepping down because he was also getting the rights to sort of build a, another team in Ontario in Windsor this time. And, and Josh can sort of speak to the geography better than I can of Ontario and where Windsor sort of falls. But I was myself, when I saw that there was going to be another team in Windsor, uh, I was a little bit disappointed because I wanted to see something come to Quebec, which I think is still going to happen eventually, but just to spread it out a little bit more. But yeah, this it was just another instance in where I feel like the communications department or whoever is in charge of these announcements and the media 
it seems like they're either they're short staffed or something because we saw you know the CPL awards where they were they had video with you know cinder blocks on stage and it was video of a projector and it just wasn't handled very well and now this it just feels like yeah like I said it feels like it's sort of short staffed and the way that they're handling these things aren't really befitting of a professional soccer league which is what they are within Canada. So yeah, it was, it was another funny one that, you know, we can all laugh at for now, but at what point are we going to start seeing these things happen less and less and handled more professionally? Yeah, go Josh. I think I was going to drop you there. But I was going to go <laughs> you anyway. So just your thoughts on this, but also maybe because it's a little bit closer to you, what do you make of the market? Yeah, it was, it was interesting. That's what I was about to, to jump right in on because I, and I want to stress this enough because I mean, it's going, it was going around um, a lot of different places and people were kind of talking about the market and if it was really a fit, but it's, it's, it's just the rights to it. It's not like this is going to come up before um, Quebec or, or Montreal or, or whoever else is going to get a team. We don't know if or when this will ever happen. It's just the fact that if it does happen, he has first rights to it. But the, the interesting thing, and this is just coming from my perspective, because I, I, I live towards, I kind of live right in the middle. Of, um, it's 45 minutes one way to Hamilton, 45 minutes to um, the KW area, Kitchener-Waterloo, 45 minutes to London. And a lot of those areas, well, Hamilton has one, but um, KW and um, London wanted a team. And they're saying, we, we're bigger. Why, why isn't it being looked at here? And I think the, an interesting thing of why Windsor would be looked at um, eventually, not that it's like I said, not that it's coming first, is because it's right near uh, Detroit. It's right near the border, so I, I think that it it has a decent size. I believe Windsor is about two hundred thousand. They have S- Essex and a few other places near there that can they can draw in from Sarnia as well. And then I think they're low key hoping to get towards the the border, the, the Detroit area, because there's not an MLS team there. So if they can tap into that market, I think that gives them a big opportunity to to really go through this project. And it, and it's interesting, but that's that's the one big. Uh, positive, I think, of bringing in Windsor is the fact that there is no MLS location in Detroit, and they're very easy to go cross the border. I mean, not anymore, but you guys know what I mean. So that that there's some there's some potential there. So I do kind of see it that way. I just didn't expect it to be if it is the next couple teams that drop in. I feel like there's a few other areas to to take a look at first. Um, Quebec, obviously, being a big one. Yeah, it's a nice severance package. Um... And it is exactly as you said, Josh, it's the exclusive rights to a franchise in a certain region. Should it come up, this is nowhere close to being an expansion team. And I think this is the number one thing that people have to realize. It's kind of like to draw a comparison when David Beckham got the exclusive rights to Miami. And and it took a long time for that to actually happen because the exclusive rights to a market is doesn't mean you're getting the expansion team because you have to secure a stadium deal. You have to set, put in the infrastructure and all that sort of stuff. And you need to find the investment similar to what's going on in Saskatoon. People thought that was an expansion team. It's not. It's the exclusive rights to a market. And if you get your stuff together, you get it. Um, there is a couple markets in the Canadian Premier League. Vancouver is, for example, an expansion team. They are further, they have a stadium and everything. They have two stadium locations actually where they're very close. Um, so it's a very different situation. And then there's another market in BC that's very close. Uh, and it's going to probably announce very soon. And Quebec, the same thing. And then you have um, you have some of big European teams sniffing around, wanting to establish a team. And they're probably all going to be in there before this team materializes. Or maybe even the one in Saskatoon. So exclusive rights 
to a franchise or a location is not an expansion team. I think that is the number one thing to keep in mind here. So yeah, I think we summed that up quite well. Guys, um, is there anything else you guys want to add? Um, raise your hand. I just want to get your take quickly on those uh, those transfers that happened between Forge right. and uh, Pacific there, Manuel. Right, okay. Yeah. So like, I guess that is uh, one other Canadian Premier League news, the, the Terran Campbell and uh, Alessandro Hochiapur transfers from Pacific to Forge. Um, I think I spoke to the club a little bit about it here in Victoria and I think that they were very realistic about both those players moving on. I think the disappointment was that they stayed within the league um, because they hoped Taron Campbell, for example, could have could have gone to MLS. Um, there was apparently some teams interested. And Alessandro Hochiapur has a European Union passport, so they were actually hoping that he maybe go to a lower division team there. So they have no problems with those players moving on. That was anticipated. Um, I know, in fact, that we Pacific FC are close to bringing in a couple guys. And once that, you know, um, materializes, a, a reveal, um, it's not close enough yet to me actually put that on Twitter to show or on, a, on a, an article form. So I wouldn't really worry too much about their departures. I think it's just the location because you want to have those players move up. And this is a parallel move, um, you know, as good as Forge of CR as an organization, they are still in the CPL, you know. And yes, they're in the Concord of Champions League, but they're playing Cruiser Soul, so that would be that. And I, I think there was a little bit, a little bit of a disappointment by Pacific FC's management that it went that direction rather than an upwards direction. And I think fair enough. Um, but I, I mean, I hope that hope they are all the best for both those players. They're good players, and I actually do hope that they move on to a better league at some point soon. I think Filippo, you had something to add as well. No, I just wanted to say um, for everyone listening all the way to the to the end here. If you guys leave us a nice review, we might stop talking a little bit about Manchester United. Maybe, right? We can't, we can't really promise it, but I guess we can. But that, that's all. That's pretty much all I wanted to add. We can trade five-star reviews for less Manchester United talk. How about that? Perfect. Perfect. Awesome. That sounds like a deal. Okay, guys. Well, that's it from us. Uh, thanks once again for listening and we'll be back very soon until then cheers and bye bye